principles and promises to cling to in troubling times. Next on Abounding Grace. This is amazing grace. Hey, welcome to Abounding Grace with our pastor and teacher, Ed Taylor. We're just getting started in 2 Peter. In times of difficulty, we can so easily neglect the important things of life, namely our spiritual life. And so we need reminders like this to stay focused on the Lord and His precious promises. That's what we're about to receive in 2 Peter chapter 1. So if you're ready, let's dive right in. Take your Bibles, open them to 2 Peter chapter 1. As we've just begun, a brand new study in the book of 2 Peter. And here we're going to pick up where we left off. We're actually, we're going, to, we're going to pick up right at the beginning of the chapter again. And the Bible study tonight is entitled, Diligently Add to Your Faith. Diligently Add to Your Faith. Verse 1, chapter 1. Simon Peter, a bondservant of the, and an apostle of Jesus Christ, to those who have obtained a like precious faith, with us by the righteousness of God and Savior Jesus Christ, grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. As his divine power is given to us all things that pertain to life and godliness, through the knowledge of him who called us by glory and virtue, by which you've been given to us exceedingly great and precious promises, that through these you may be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. And we'll pause there. A few years after writing his first letter, Peter follows up by writing this one. So there's been a gap of time between the two. And now he is writing this one to the same group. Remember in verse 1 uh, of chapter, of 1 Peter chapter 1 verse 1, remember he identified the audience. We, we know who he's writing to, and we know the time that he's writing to. But in verse 1, it says, Peter, this is chapter 1 of First Peter chapter 1. Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ, to the pilgrims, and you can write next to that if you haven't already, wanderers, to the wanderers of the dispersion. This refers to the persecution that's taking place to them. So they, they went through Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, Asia and Bithynia. Remember, Roman, Empire, Roman Emperor Nero sets fire to Rome at this time, and he chooses to blame the Christians for it. And instead of putting out the fires, he ordered that they continue to burn and burn. And as they burned, 500,000 plus Christians are used as scapegoats. He does the dirty deed, and the Christians get blamed for it. The citizens become enraged at their neighbors and their friends. Their fellow, those that are Christians, maybe not fellow Christians, but their neighbors and those that they work with, those that they hang around with. And as they're enraged, the Christians began a torturous time of pain and suffering. And the persecution is spreading. So these believers are scattered and they're hurting and afflicted. They're oppressed. They have the government turning against them. 
And now things have changed a little where not only do they have outside, and I mean, it's one thing, isn't it? We looked at this last time, but it's one thing to have all this outside persecution, but on top of that, now there is inside. There are defectors. There are those that have turned on the Lord. And you know, anytime someone turns on the Lord, you pay for it. And so do I. Somebody gets mad at the Lord, they have to take it out on someone. They, they can't take it out on God. I mean, they might verbally do that, but they have to have an outlet for that anger, an outlet for that frustration, an outlet for the, the, the flesh in their life. And you and I are the ones. That's why the Bible says, that's why the Bible says we wrestle not against flesh and blood but against principalities and powers, against those things that are coming against the knowledge of God, the spiritual realm. But the way it's lived out is individually. It is between us. But if it brings any comfort to you, I think it should. Just remember, be in, be in prayer for those that you're at odds with right now because, yeah, they might have an issue with you, and it might be a real issue, but their real issue is with God. Because when you and I are seeking the Lord together, the Bible says, when my ways please the Lord, he'll make even enemies be at peace with us. And we don't need to participate and make things worse. You just wait on the Lord, allowing him to do the work. So what the believers do is they run for their lives. But as they're running for their lives, you get tired, you get frustrated, and now there are defections, there are false teachers. I might have introduced it last time, but I, I like this saying, I don't remember where I picked it up from, but I like this saying, it says that the devil loves to fish in troubled waters. He loves to stir things up, loves division, loves believers fighting, devouring one another, because while you're spending all this attention on one another, he comes in and starts to pick people off one by one by one. So notice, let's pick up where we left off last time in verse 3. It says, as his divine power has given to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us by glory and virtue, by which have been given to us exceedingly great and precious promises, that through these you may be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world, through lust. The Bible is filled with exceedingly great and precious promises. Or as Peter says, exceedingly. Like they're amazingly wonderful. On every single page of the Bible, there are great promises that you can hold on to as a believer. That you can cling to. That you can look to. That you can embrace. Or even more so, a lost art among believers today is memorizing Scripture. Hiding God's Word in our hearts that we might not sin against Him. Knowing that, hey, maybe you don't remember the address of something. But you know the Scripture. Or you remember the principle. And it's there for the Holy Spirit to draw out for you when you don't have a word, when you don't know what to pray, then you don't know how to react to something. I mean, consider this. You're looking for help? Consider this verse, Psalm 50, verse 15. Call upon me in the day of trouble, and I will deliver you, and you shall glorify me. How's that for a promise? You're in trouble today? Call upon me. God says, and I will help you, and I will deliver you. Are you looking for comfort today? Psalm 27, verse 10. When my father and mother forsake me, the Lord will take care of me. Second Corinthians chapter 1. God is the God of all comfort. Who what? Comforts us in all our tribulation. And you just drop it into your heart. Drop it into your mind. You're looking for encouragement? Psalm 138, verse 8. It says, the Lord will perfect that which concerns me. 
Your mercy, O Lord, endures forever. Do not forsake the works of your hands. Isn't it encouraging to know that God has brought you this far and he hasn't brought you this far to just drop you now? Say, okay, you're up at this point and this is about all I promised you. This is the day. This when at, at 7.30 when service is over. No, 7.30 service would not be over. At, at 8.30, service over. So at 8.30, that's it. That's when their contract ends. No, the Bible says, Paul even reminds us as, of this in Philippians, that he who began a good work in you will complete it. Until when? The day of Jesus Christ. All the way through. He's going to take you all the way. You need forgiveness or you need to extend forgiveness? Psalm 86, verse 5. For you, Lord, are good and ready to forgive. You have someone that's not willing to forgive you? Come to the Lord. He's ready to forgive. He's ready to forgive you. Jesus Christ has paid the price for your sin and mine. He has removed the guilt and shame of your life and mine by faith. And he is ready to forgive. Are you ready to receive it? Are you ready today to receive the forgiveness that comes by faith in Jesus Christ? To surrender your life to Jesus Christ himself. The Bible says there is no other name under heaven by which man must be saved but the name Jesus. And he is ready to receive you and ready to forgive you if you are ready to repent and deny yourself taking up your cross and following him. Are you ready? Because he's ready. Every promise is true. There isn't a promise of God that isn't sure that isn't steadfast, that isn't reliable or trustworthy. How about this one? Psalm 119, verse 89. You, you need to see this. You need to mark this. Turn over in your Bibles to Psalm 119. You've got to see this one. This is one of those little gems, one of those, those nuggets of the scripture that you must know. Notice 119, verse 89. It's kind of hidden in one of the longest or the longest chapter in the Psalms. And listen to what it says. This is so good. It says in Psalm 119, verse 89, Forever, O Lord, your word is settled in heaven. We may have problems believing his word. We may have doubts. We may have concerns. But when our hearts get in tune with God and we trust him with our lives, his word is settled. God's just almost like waiting for you to agree with him that his word is settled. That his promises are sure and steadfast. And you come back to Peter. Peter would understand this. And I find it interesting, don't you? That in the midst of outward persecution, in the midst of inward defections, with all of this drama and difficulty surrounding the church, Peter doesn't give them a message on how to defend themselves. Peter doesn't give them a message how to attack. Peter doesn't have a message on how to get out of their circumstances. What does he do? He points them to the Lord. That's what he does. He says, you want, I know you got trouble. I know you have difficulties, but this is not a time to forget the precious promises of God. This is not a time to get your eyes off of him. This is not a time for you to quit. This is not a time for you to run. This is not a time for you to be distracted, for you to stumble along the way. No, instead, this is why you're to build your house on the solid foundation of Jesus Christ, because in him, all of the promises of God are yes and amen. All of them. And this is a time to stay steadfast. Notice not only that, but look what he says here in 2 Peter 1. Come back with me. It, it, this is such a great, another little hidden nugget here as you come 
to the end there. Let me get there with you. The end of verse four. Uh, he says, having escaped the corruption that's in the world through lust. In your life by faith. This is amazing because they're in the world. They're surrounded by lust. They're men and women of flesh and humanity. But the word of God, your relationship with God, has you, you're able to be in the world, but escape all of the sin of the world. And these guys are on the run. They've lost everything. They literally have nothing. They're being blamed for something. They're being blamed for the madness of the Roman emperor. And they have become partakers, I love this, of the divine nature. Partakers of the divine nature. And there's something about the divine nature that helps us to escape the corruption. They can't be there. Light and darkness can't coexist. So as we have the living God dwelling in us, in the presence of the Holy Spirit, sealed by the Holy Spirit, partaking, receiving a taste of eternity, living under the leadership of the Spirit of God, we also escape the corruption that's in the world through lust, but stay in the world. To me, it's a Bible study in and of itself. Would you turn over to James chapter 4? James speaks on a similar topic from a different perspective. James chapter 4, pick up in verse 1 with me. He says, Where do wars and fights come from among you? Don't they come from your desires for pleasure that war in your members? You lust and you do not have. You murder and covet and you cannot obtain. You fight and war yet you do not have because you do not ask. You ask, but you don't receive because you ask amiss that you may spend it on your pleasures. Adulterers, adulteresses, do you not know that friendship with the world is enmity with God? Whoever therefore wants to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. Do you not think that the scripture says in vain, the spirit who dwells in us yearns jealously? But he gives more grace. Therefore, he says, God resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble. So submit to God, he says. Resist the devil and he'll flee from you. Draw near to God and he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners. Purify your hearts, you double-minded. Lament and mourn and weep. Let your laughter be turned to mourning, your joy to gloom. Humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord, and he will lift you up. That's the answer to your troubling day today. That is the answer. Why is there so much battle and warring in yourself? Why does it heaven sound? Why, why does it seem like heaven is so silent? It's because you have become preeminent in your life once again. My, my thoughts, my desires, what I want has replaced what God wants in my life. And it's a battle, a spirit in the flesh. God reminds us that we're in this world, but we cannot be of it. And so the counsel of Jesus makes so much more sense, helping us to grow in grace and grow in his knowledge, knowing that it's his divine power that's given to us all things. It's his divine power. I know a lot of this is by way of review, but remember in Matthew 6.33, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and then all these things will be added unto you. It can't be the other way. 
It's not the other way. Seeking all these things, fretting over these things, worrying about these things, trouble, warring over these things is not going to get us to the place of the kingdom of God. It's the other way around. The kingdom of God is his rulership in our life. It's his dominion, his authority, his way. It's not your way or the highway. It's his way. It's always his way. And it will always be his way. He's the creator of the universe. He's the sustainer of the universe. He is the author and the finisher of our faith. It's always him. We'll always be him. And we can thank him for his faithfulness in our lives. Jesus says the way to be freed from the corruption of us world is we've got to learn to live with new values, new goals, and new hopes. New values, goals, and hopes that are based upon eternity and the righteousness of God. And as we invest in eternity, God will take care of the things that are needed in this world. His way and not man's way. And you could say, I know it would be hard to tell the believers in Peter. I know it would be hard to tell the believers. But now looking back, and when we meet them in heaven, you can ask them. Say, Ed said this, is it really true? And see what they say. But you can say looking back now that the believers that Peter was writing to needed this. They needed this disruption in their life to draw out a new way, a new way of relating to God. And you add, Ed, you're just making that up. I'm not. I'm not at all. Let me show you what I mean. Turn over to 2 Corinthians because Paul attests to this. Paul will get to this place where he looks back on his life and he says, I needed those trials. I needed them so much so that I glory in them. Turn over to 2 Corinthians with me and I will get there shortly. In 2 Corinthians in chapter 12, very familiar passage to us. Paul is asking for the thorn to be removed. God answers him no. And then he says that in verse 9, remember what he says? Uh, in your Bible, it's probably in red because Jesus is answering him, explaining to him. He says, my grace is sufficient for you. My strength is made perfect in weakness. And then here's Paul. Paul's looking back on this. He's not writing this real time. He's looking back on it now. It's hard to say real time. I, I, I'll affirm that. It is very, you're in the worst time of your life right now. I'm not trying to discourage you by asking you to look to heaven for strength during this time. I'm trying to encourage you. That God is still on the throne. He hasn't abandoned you. He hasn't turned his back upon you. And it's hard. And it could get even harder and more challenging. It can. But you're going to look back one day. You're going to be able to say with absolute certainty. You're going to be able to look at that. You know, it made me a better man. It made me a better dad. It made me a better mom. It made me a better leader. It made me a better, and you name, wherever God was improving in your life, to have this disruption, whether he sent it to you. I mean, think of the disciples when Jesus took them out on the boat and said, let's cross the other side. And you remember, the, there was waves, the, the storm came down. Do you think Jesus didn't know about that storm? Of course he knew about that storm. And they're going in and they're freaking out and they don't know what to do. But you ask them, again, ask them in heaven when you get there. You ask them. And if you go, I don't know if I'm going to heaven or not, well, be born again tonight. And you could talk to all these people in the Bible firsthand and ask them. You say, hey, man, remember that time about the storm? My pastor said that, that you look back on it and you were, you were happy for it. And they go, oh, yeah. But boy, were we scared. Oh, man, we didn't know what to do. I mean, here we are, perfect fishermen. We know how to fish. We know we've been on this storm. We've been on this Sea of Galilee forever. And man, were we scared. And man, were we humbled. But man, was it good. It made us better fishers of men. 
right? Because you don't know what God's preparing you for. You don't know what's up ahead. That's why the enemy wants you to quit today. That's why he wants you to throw in the towel today. That's why he wants you to sign the divorce papers today. Why he wants you to go back to the bottle today. Because you don't know the future. And neither does the devil, but he knows your weakness. And he would love to take advantage of your weakness so you would quit today. So check this out. This is what Paul says, looking back. He looks back on this now. He's not writing it real time. His real time diary is probably really tough, like the psalmist. But now he says, therefore, most gladly, listen, I will rather boast in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Boasting. That we don't vo- boast in our infirmities. Amen? True? You boast in your infirmities? I, I don't boast in them. I'm not here yet. I'm not entirely sure if I'll ever get here, but I know it's a here that I can get to. I know it's up ahead. I don't know if I'll get there, but I know it's up ahead. If it's by the grace of God, he'll get me here. I don't boast, no. But there have been little pieces of my life where I can say, you know, the things that I've experienced, they've made me a better man. They've revealed things about my life that either I didn't know before or I didn't see or I didn't know needed spiritual attention. Uh, There have been deep channels of ministry carved into my heart that weren't there before. Uh, I've been able to see people differently. I've been able to minister to people differently. But I'm not in boasting yet. I'll boast in the Lord. I can do that, but I can't boast in my infirmities yet. But not only that, he says, therefore I take pleasure in infirmities. So he came to the point where he could look back and go, man, that thing, that made me, and he could fill in the blanks. But now he also got to the place where he says, no, I'm taking, I'm going to take pleasure in what I'm going through right now because I know it's going to bear fruit in the future. I don't even know what it's going to bear fruit, but I, I am so in tune. I am so in the kingdom of God, at least when he was writing this, because I don't think he's a perfect man. Read Romans 7. We know Paul wasn't a perfect man. So he's just so in tune with the, what the Lord's doing in his life. He goes, I'm taking pleasure in infirmities, reproaches, needs, persecutions, distresses for Christ's sake, because I've learned this. When I am weak, then I'm strong. I mean, that's the direction that God's taking you. But you can fight it. You can resist it. You can be in pride about it. You can complain about it. You can murmur. All the things that we respond to. And you're just delaying the inevitable. And the inevitable is God is going to show you his will for your life. And you can either cooperate with him or not. Make it easy or not. And you say, how can you make it easier? Humble yourself under the mighty hand of God and he'll lift you up. How can you make it harder? Be prideful about it. Be mad about it. Be upset about it. Dig in your heels. Don't allow the Spirit of God to lead you and guide you. And Peter's telling a group of people under great duress, hey, you know what? Of all the things that you can choose right now, let me tell you something. God is at work in your life. Don't neglect your spiritual life in times of difficulty. Thanks for hanging out with us here at Abounding Grace with Pastor Ed Taylor. Are you interested in hearing this message again? If so, drop by AboundingGraceRadio.com. Another way to listen to Ed's teachings is through our app and podcast. Search for Ed Taylor to download that today. Each month we pick out a book we think you'll enjoy and that can really serve to help you grow in God's abounding grace. We want to help you develop a spiritual library. And this month, it's Ebenezer Stones by Catherine McDougall. It's so easy to get focused on our problems and difficulties. And when we do, our focus is no longer on God. 
We can so easily forget how God has been faithful to us. The remedy is to get your focus back on God and the ways He has been faithful. In this excellent book, you'll learn how an ordinary stone can be a powerful reminder of God's faithfulness. The Bible calls it an Ebenezer stone, which means stone of the help. Request Ebenezer Stones when you give a donation of $25 or more to Abounding Grace. Give us a call at 877-30-GRACE. That's 877-30-GRACE. You can also order resources like this online at calvaryco.store. That's our online store at calvaryco.store. And if you'd like to help us continue the ministry on this station through a donation, you can do so at AboundingGraceRadio.com. As you do, you'll be helping people all across the country study and learn of God's abounding grace. Again, that's AboundingGraceRadio.com or call 877-30-GRACE. I'm glad you've taken time out for our study in 2 Peter. Join Pastor Ed Taylor all week long as we continue to learn how to live by and grow in God's abounding grace. This is amazing grace. This is unfailing love. That you would take my place. That you would bear my cross. You Abounding Grace is brought to you by Calvary Church, Colorado, here in Aurora.